The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and thank you for listening with us today. I am very glad that you have joined us here on Spirit of Recovery And also, I want to thank you for sending us emails, for letting us know how your recovery is going, for letting us know that Spirit of Recovery is making a difference in your life. It's great to get those, and I appreciate you uh, taking the time to do that. Thank you also for liking Spirit of Recovery on Facebook. It's great to get those new likes and great to see those who uh, are already uh, friends of Spirit of Recovery there on the Facebook page. So thanks for doing that. And uh, you can go to Facebook and like Spirit of Recovery on that. And uh, thank you, too, for sharing it when we post about the upcoming program, for sharing that on your page and letting people know, getting the word out to the recovery and the spirituality community, the great guests that we have here on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery circles, in your unity and other spiritual uh, community circles know about us here. It's great because we do have great guests and great topics and uh, we're making a difference in people's lives. So thanks for letting your people know about us. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We have guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative People who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people or people that are uh, teaching uh, great spiritual uh, principles that work well for people in recovery. And our guests are always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking and open new ideas and new doors for you in the recovery process and in spiritual growth. You know that you can listen to us here on Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live uh, through your computer, through your smart device, and you can, of course, listen on demand. We've got lots of great archived programs, and those are yours for your uh, listening enjoyment at any time. And you can go to www.unityonlineradio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery and find those archives. I really uh, always want you to know that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place. So if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member uh, or a friend of someone who has the disease of addiction and you are in your own recovery as a family member or friend or um, whether or not you or your family member uh, is in recovery or maybe you're just interested in the process of recovery and spirituality whoever you are you're welcome here um, as part of our spirit of recovery community and um, you're welcome to participate in our discussions with a comment or question for our guests you can email us or you can call in and uh, we're glad to entertain those again my name is Anna Schaus I'm your spirit of recovery host I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person that has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And over 33 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. 
And ever since that time, my walk has been and continues to be an integration of recovery principles and unity spiritual principles. And that walk keeps transforming my life and inviting me to grow in deeper ways, and I'm so grateful for that. It's a delight to have the opportunity to share with you uh, these ideas, to bring you great guests, and also to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. Today, our topic is linking to life, and uh, my guest is George DeWars. He is, uh, has an MSW, and he is also a chemical, depend- chemical dependency counselor, and George specializes in relapse prevention. Today, we're going to be talking about how when we accept that addiction does have power in our lives, whether that addiction is to substances or to behaviors, the acceptance of the power of the addiction is, as we know, that's the key and the beginning of real freedom from it. Because as we accept that it has power in the world of experience and the world of facts, and we let go into our spiritual nature, we find that we begin to have that power to be free of that addiction. Again, whether it's to a substance, whether it's to a behavior, whether it's that focus on another person that sometimes family members and friends can get into. And we find that our sacred task really in recovery is the sacred task of self-awareness to discover our embedded emotions and the embedded stances that link us to addiction. When we let go of those links, then we can move forward with the spiritual power to strengthen and create links to life and to permanent recovery. Again, my guest is George DeWars, and he has uh, two books, White Knuckles and Wishful Thinking, and a workbook, Getting It, Building Motivation from Relapse. And these are wonderful, practical, experiential approaches that are connected into 12-step recovery principles that uh, George, through many years of clinical practice, has developed these uh, approaches that really are a wonderful resource for people to, uh, for relapse prevention. George is a psychosomatic therapist. He's an author and a trainer. He focuses on supporting long-term sobriety and on relapse prevention. And you can learn more about George's work at uh, www.motivationformaintenance.com and also at www.gettingitworkbook.com. And George has been my guest before here uh, when he was talking with us about mindfulness and how the 12 steps are really uh, a program of mindfulness. So, George, welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad you're here. So, um, Again, you've been here before. We're glad you were here talking about mindfulness and and an article that you wrote about the 12 steps and mindfulness. And today we're going to have the opportunity to focus more specifically on relapse prevention. And um, uh, your books, White Knuckles and Wishful Thinking, and your workbook, The Getting It, Building Motivation from Relapse, are based on a lot of uh, uh, research that you've done, looking at uh, a lot of different uh, fields of study about relapse prevention, about addiction, about recovery, and and uh, you've really compiled a very practical program. We're gonna we'll talk more later about about all the details of that. But first, I'd like to start with with your basic premise, and that is that um, if we dismantle the links that link us into addiction, and strengthen the links that link us into life and recovery then we have a pretty good chance of long-term recovery. How did you come up with that concept? That's a fair question, and it's been such a long time. I don't know if I have a complete answer. Let, let me think for a minute here. Um, sure. Basic, the basic um, idea that actually, if, if you're looking at the first chapter of my book, and keep in mind that was written in 1991, um, is that everybody has a theory and, you know, the, the sociologists think that this thing is important for your behavior, your family, and your group, and all that. And, and the biochemists have a theory about what's going on in your brain. Psychologists have a theory about your childhood. And everybody has all these theories about what, um, you know, what actually leads us to react or act on a, in a certain way on a certain day. And what I was really working off is just um, admitting that all of those have their place but for any given person at any given moment, it's just 
what's going on right now. I mean, the, the AA uh, saying of don't get hungry, angry, and lonely, or tired, those are a mixture of emotional and physical um, links that vary from hour to hour and day to day. And what I was trying to do was, was look at it in terms, keep, keep, keep the, both the person and the, the counselor open um, and not getting locked to one theory of, of trying to explain everything and therefore only trying to prevent um, one, you know, one link or variable from taking over. Right. So that sounds, go ahead. Well, I'm just asking, does that make sense the way I put it? Yeah, that does make a lot of sense because um, it, as you're saying, that sometimes uh, in in a clinical approach with a counselor or maybe even just uh, as a person who's in recovery trying to um, make sure that they are staying in recovery and preventing those relapses, uh, like I said, sometimes people maybe almost get zeroed in on one particular thing and, and think that's the magic answer. And if I do that, if I focus on this one particular aspect, either my physical being or my emotional being or right. my psychological being, that's going to fix it. But it doesn't, does it? No, it's like some people want to cure everything with nutrition and not deal with any of their emotional issues. Other people want to uh, deal with only emotional issues and never look at their diet or their, how much coffee they drink or how much they smoke. I mean, it's... it's um, and, and I think that one of the things that just that came to mind, you, you mentioned, and this is, this is bigger than just 12-step, um, what you're promoting there at Spirit of Recovery is a holistic approach. And really this, this looking at um, all the things that might be affecting somebody at any one moment, um, and, and that's where awareness is so important. Um, but that's, that's really, a, it's a holistic model. And it's a model, it's not a theory. A theory, like I said, usually tries to focus on one variable or one set of variables. And this is trying to be, just look at what's there, you know, what's happening. Um, right. And I'm going to guess that I know, again, you've been in uh, clinical practice for many years here. And as you said, your initial edition of this book was in 1991. So I, you tell us how you got uh, interested in this. And I'm making a guess that it's because you had clients that were having a tough time uh, staying in recovery. But what did you notice? What was the impulse? Well, the, the, thing, that, the thing that got me started was not this model. Um, it was working with a method of psychotherapy that I still use, and it's not all that unique. There are variations of it in gestalt therapy and psychodrama and cognitive therapy that I'm aware of. What, what we were doing, and this was part of my earliest training, was learning, was having people relive um, situations in which their problem appeared. Well, I was working in an alcohol treatment program, so I was having people relive... <laughs> That period, moments when they went back to drinking, having prior decide, decided not to. And that got me interested in this phenomenon of the two different kinds of thinking that seem to be universal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the wishful thinking of, oh, I'll just have one, I can handle it now, this time will be different. You know, there are a number, there's yeah, seven, seven or eight, there aren't that many variations, and they all basically are wishful thinking that. I'm not really an alcoholic. I can do this. I won't lose control. I won't get hurt. Um, and the other one, I, I always have to figure out a way to say it, but you know, on the radio, um, it's usually an, an expletive, and mm-hmm. it usually starts with a, a, a bad word. So I'll just say the, the unprintable or the cursing relapse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are over and over and over again. That's what people are actually thinking as they reach for that first drink or drug of relapse, and that's that's what hooked me. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, you noticed that it was the same. That. Sorry, mm-hmm. you noticed that it was the same, basically the same thought pattern right before somebody yeah. started using. Well, for mm-hmm. all these different people, different addictions, different stages of the disease, different kinds of you know people who had been working a program, people who had not been working a program, um, different cultural, educational, genders, sexual preferences. It just it was all. Everybody, when they when it comes down to that moment of deciding to pick up the first drink or drug, the thought in the mind is endless variations, and, and it's very pretty well documented in the uh, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like in in your book, and and again, we have to be thoughtful here on the radio. But in your book, it's like right. one won't hurt, and the other one is the. F bomb with the the right. dashes there it so those are yeah. the two main thoughts 
right? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. those two, wishful thinking and, and the expletive or, or cursing relapse. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it took uh, me years to come up with the term expletive. I don't know why. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's probably a good thing because of the book. I like the book's title, White Knuckles and Wishful Thinking. White Knuckles, I, at the time, I thought of the person um, who was cursing and picking up the drink as, you know, that that was the moment that their white knuckle sobriety snapped. And I think uh-huh. that's still pretty much true. Mm-hmm. This, it's somebody who is, you know, abstinent and is not yet, and they may have even been trying, but they've not yet learned how to deal with their emotions and frustrations without hitting a critical point where they just, the only thing they can think of to do is go back to the old crutch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's going back really to what, to the holistic approach. What you're saying is that um, one way or the other, I'd say it this way, that a person has to deal with themselves. How would you put that? I'm sorry? Yeah. How, would you, so that you that would relate to what you're saying, that, yeah, that's what yeah. it boils down to? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have mm-hmm. to deal, well, they have to deal with themselves and, and, and on all the levels, you know, physical, psychological, spiritual, emotional, societal. I mean, it's at any given moment. That, that's where the awareness, what you call the sacred awareness or mindfulness, is so important. Is, you know, to, it's, it's great to have a, a number of tools, but in order to use the tool appropriately, you need to see clearly the problem that's in front of you right now. <laughs> you know, so if you've got a toothache, going to the dentist makes more sense than going you know, to the, uh, uh, to the barbershop. Mm-hmm. And uh, if your hair is too long, then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to go to the dentist. Right, right. So really addressing, zeroing in on what the real issue is. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, one of the things that you write is that, um, that, and again, this is certainly reflected in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, but you write that it's, remember that it's the chemical-free mind that picks up the drink, not, or the drug right. or the behavior. It's not the, um, the sober, it's not the drinking mind that does. Right. So, um, so that sounds like then that what you're really talking about is is really helping people address what's what's going on at depth within themselves. Yeah, the the fact you know the fact that um, it's the chemical free mind that picks up the drink or drug is simply it's an important realization. Um, one of the things that perpetuates the addiction is the person's kind of complacent assumption. I'm okay if I'm not drinking. It's only when I drink that I do these things that uh, cause pain and suffering and shame to me and people I care about. And as long as the person um, dodges the, the simple fact that, hey, wait a minute, if you're so okay when you're sober, how come you decide to pick up the first drink? As long as they dodge that, they're disowning it, and, and it's in the, the facing of the fact that, wait a minute, it's my sober, my clean and sober self who decides to pick up that first drink or drug, and that's the one who needs to change. As long as I think it's the drinking person, the, you know, Dr. Jekyll blames Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll has no reason of his own to change, but once he sees, holy cow, that's my hand in the cookie jar, um, I better get it out. And I'm the one, I, Dr. Jekyll, the clean, sober, you know, the dry drunk, really. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm the one who needs change. I'm the one that needs to do the work of change. I'm the one that needs to go to those meetings or work those steps or say those prayers or, you know, whatever whatever the work is. If, if I have another issue that, you know, may not Hang even... Hang on to that. You know, it's time for our break. And uh, this ah, is great. Okay. We'll be right back and talk about uh, Dr. Jekyll here. Stay with us. Great. This is Spirit of Recovery, and we'll be right back. When listeners like you contribute to the Unity Online Radio Network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support.
Reverend Paulette Pipe's voice has been called mesmerizing, the sound of spirit expressing in soothing honey tones. If you're one of the loyal listeners who tune in each week for her program, Touching the Stillness, you already know the power of her meditations. If her programs leave you wanting more, purchase one or both of her meditation CDs, Touching the Stillness, her first CD, and the newly released Resting in Stillness. This latest CD combines Paulette's alchemic voice with an original score by pianist Kelly Hunt and will transport you to a place of divine peace. Enliven your meditations with Reverend Paulette Pipe as your guide and take her soothing voice and peaceful presence with you wherever you go. Get your copy today. Go to www.unity.org and then click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on Shop at the top of the page. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with a championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and if you're just joining us, our topic today is linking to life. We're talking about how when we begin to dismantle the links that we have to addiction and strengthen the links that we have to life, that's our opportunity to stay in long-term recovery and long-term serenity. My guest is George DeWars. He has an MSW and is also an addictions counselor. George is a psychosomatic therapist, author, and trainer, and he focuses on supporting long-term sobriety and on relapse prevention. Uh, George has two books, the, the book White Knuckles and Wishful Thinking, Learning from the Moment of Relapse and Alcoholism and Other Addictions, and a workbook that can accompany that that's got lots of also very practical exercises that a person can do called Getting It, Building Motivation from Relapse. And you can find out more about George's work at motivationformaintenance.com and at gettingitworkbook.com. Before I go back to my conversation with my guest, I invite you to join me for the Serenity Minute for a brief moment of relaxation, of uh, opening your mind, allowing it to become quiet, and making that conscious contact with your higher power as you understand it. So I invite you to take a breath, to allow your mind to open, and to share with me this constructive idea. My higher power is a loving presence, a healing presence that guides me to love all of who I am. My higher power is a loving presence healing presence that guides me to love all of who I am. We take a moment in the quiet.
thank you, friends, for joining me for the Serenity Minute. And I trust that it was an opportunity for you, though it is brief, to just have a moment to relax and to let go and to open up to the love that is your higher power. And now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, George DeBoers, talking about linking to life. And George, before the break, you were sharing with us um, how important it is to uh, address Dr. Jekyll in that, that uh, age-old uh, analogy. We've got Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, that, that story about addiction, uh, and um, talking about why it's so important to address that part of us that's sober or that's serene if we're, we're a family member, because therein really lies the rub. Um, Claudia Black, who is a, a renowned therapist in the addiction world, uh, wrote on the jacket of uh, your book. She said that George DeWars is one of the first clinicians to connect family of origin issues with relapse behavior. And she certainly gave you lots of praise for that. What she mean? How do you do that? And how's that dealing with Dr. Jekyll here? Well, um, I think what she was referring to was uh, in the book I, I um, talk about this phenomenon of uh, instant regression where a person actually experiences themselves as being far less than their chronological age and they feel like a little child trying to cope with overpowering adults. And um, that's a very common feeling in people who are having, especially the uh, cursing sort of relapse, um, where it's all about stress and, and coping. Um, I think that's what she was talking about. And, and since then, I think both Claudia and I, and by the way, I went to school with Claudia um, at University of Washington. Um, we, we both um, have gotten far more into working with trauma, and I think the whole field has opened up its eyes to the link um, that so many people who, with addiction and, and so many people who are triggered to relapse, that, you know, they're, they're still dealing with uh, unresolved trauma. And um, even if they can't completely resolve it, if they can at least get it recognized, validated, they, they know it's there, they know when, they, when they're being triggered, um, can call a sponsor, go to a meeting, you know, do all sorts of self-care strategies, um, the chances of, of staying sober, clean and sober, are a heck of a lot better. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, trauma, trauma, you know, trauma arising in the family, usually, or closely related to the family, um, I think that's what, uh, what most of us would say is, is what we're talking about now. There's also, um, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but... There is somebody else on the planet who's been almost as obsessed with the cursing relapse as I have, and he's a psychoanalyst at uh, Harvard, Dr. Lance Dodes. And he has, a, he has a book. I'll even say the name of it. It's, it's uh, The Heart of Addiction. Mm-hmm. And when I first heard him talk about it, I thought his, his sort of theory was preposterous. And the more that I think about it, the more I think it has to be included in the model. It's, it's not the one answer, but... He basically thought that he had identified that most people who have a cursing sort of relapse, and he used the term, he used the you know the bomb word, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that when when they are doing that, um, they are usually, in his psychoanalytic perspective, caught up in one of the unresolved dilemmas from their family of origin. Mm-hmm. They, you know, and, and he makes a pretty good case for it. It's just it's all based on, you know, one anecdote. And, and I think there are plenty of other stressors that can lead to that sort of relapse. But I, I think the, the reason I, I not no longer dismiss it is huge percentage of relapse, especially after you get past that first six or 12 months, huge percentage of it is due to um, frustration in relationship. And I think hmm. there are even some statistics on them. I can't quote them, but I think Dr. Marlatt at the University of Washington had some on, you know, the percentage of relationship, percentage of relapse that's, you know, due to uh, relationship problems. And I think he had a separate category for anger. And frankly, I think most of the anger is arising in relationships. So um, mm-hmm. it's a huge, huge element. Uh, you know, the what is it? The twelve by twelve says that the primary fact we fail to recognize about ourselves is the total inability to form a true partnership with another human being. Mm-hmm. I, I, I chuckle when I, when I read it. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the, so so much part of the experience, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Relationships are just, you know, I mean, Al- Alcoholics Anonymous seems to initially replace the relationship with alcohol with a relationship with your fellow alcoholic, your home group, and your sponsor, and then you work the steps with your with your uh, higher power. But mm-hmm. if you don't, somewhere in learning those tools, if you don't learn how to function in a you know a healthy relationship, um, you know you're 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 vulnerable. You stay vulnerable. Right. It's interesting. And again, uh, whatever comment you have, that sometimes uh, people in uh, recovery from a substance addiction will also, uh, after a while, they'll also go to um, 12-step programs such as Al-Anon or for family members right. or sometimes Codependence Anonymous, CODA, or ACOA, yep. Adult Children of Alcoholics. What do you think yeah. about that? Um, I think it's a very positive thing. Um, i got to be careful here about people's anonymity, but I, one of the people I know best um, who's in, you know, been sober since 1975, has been a major force in uh, getting a lot of people to help. I'll just say that very generally, but, you know, the kind of person I'm talking about. But um, they had a daughter develop the disease, wound up in Al-Anon, and, you know, that, that person has been loyally attending and participating in Al-Anon, sponsoring people in Al-Anon, and, and feels that it was just a complete boost to their, their long-term recovery. And, and part of the reason for that is, you know, AA meetings um, are still pretty focused on drinking, 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 and, um, you know, there are people in the meetings who say if it isn't about drinking, then it doesn't belong here, you know, it depends on the meeting. So to to be able to go someplace where you're actually your primary topic is dealing with a relationship, um, but you're still using the twelve steps. And mm-hmm. I don't know why there aren't more AA meetings focused just on relationships. Because, for instance, that famous um, passage, uh, one of the most brilliant things I think I've ever seen anywhere by any of the spiritual writers, East or West passages, the long passage on acceptance in the big book by Dr. Paul, I think his name was, um, mm-hmm. acceptance is the answer to all my problems is just the beginning of about four pages of sheer genius. And he makes it really clear that after he worked the steps, got sober, he went back and he went through all the steps just focusing on his marriage and his wife. Just mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And there are couples groups around, 12-step couples groups around, and I'm sure they do a lot of good, but... Um, I, you know, I just, I've lost track of the question, but I know it was something about Al-Anon for people who are already in recovery and, and how it can en- enrich their uh, recovery process, right? Right, yeah, because it is focusing on relationships. Um, yeah. In your, in your uh, books that you've written, uh, what do you, how do you address that issue of uh, relationships and how that might, how that does obviously contribute uh, to relapse in a lot of cases. You know, I haven't taken my material all that far. I'm pretty narrowly focused. I mean, the workbook is all about looking at the moment of relapse and what's going on there. And if the person themselves can get it, what's really going on there, then they get why we do all these other things. It's very much about motivating, pe- motivating people to start the journey and, and to maintain the journey. Mm-hmm. And it isn't, it isn't focused on relationship per se. Um, the material on coping in the big book, or I'm sorry, in, in the in the book, White Knuckles and Wishful mm-hmm. Thinking, mm-hmm. does give you some tools, very much so, to cope with anything, including your frustrations with a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. But um, it, it's really, uh, to be honest with you, I, I think I may have stumbled into a new way of doing couples therapy. I, I've got a couple where she's in recovery and, he should be an Al-Anon, like so many. Um, and all we're doing is, is giving them, developing for each of them a, a plan for coping with their frustrations with the other. <laughs> and, oh, good. And, uh, tell us. You have to tell us, George. How does that work? <laughs> I want to know. I want to well, know. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, in, it's, it's the same tools that are in the book as written back in 1991. Um, but it's basically taking the serenity prayer down off the the wall and putting it to work and 
you know, knowing that on a daily basis there are things, there are specific frustrations I've got with my mate, and we've identified what I have to accept and what I might be able to change. And then we've got these seven toolboxes, most of which um, have tools in them that people have already, you know, used. It's, it's very simple. It's, um, That's the your sparrow, sparrow. sparrow method, right? Sparrow, Tell yeah, us about the yeah, sparrow spare, method. Yeah. And, uh, but, but that's basically it. And um, I'll let you know in a couple of years <laughs> whether this is doing any good. But um, I don't think it's going to do any harm because, you know, most people who come in my office come in because of frust- frustration. And when it's a couple, they're frustrated with each other. And if we can increase their ability to cope with their frustration with each other and they can actually see each other developing their coping plan in front of each other, um, you know, that we might, uh, we might both increase their understanding and their skill at using the tools to just day in, day out, you know, cope with each other. Right. It's, it sounds like one thing for sure that it, that would do, you said because they are there it's kind of working a program in front of each other in a sense, this creates some real right. compassion for each other and for the self yeah. maybe. Yeah, compassion and, and empathy, both, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, do tell us about the Sparrow method. That's a great uh, method that you've got. The S P A R R O W. So, well, what's the S yeah, it, for? It, the S is for sharing. But let me back up a little second, sure. second because it's it's a three step process. The okay. first step is you got to identify the problem, and the problem essentially is something that isn't how you want it to be. So it's a frustration. And the second, the second part is where you bring in the serenity prayer and you look at what it is that you want versus what you got. And when you look at what you got, you've got to ask that question. Okay, do I control it or not? If I don't control it, I only have one plan uh, that's possible, that's realistic, and that's to accept it. And easier said than done, the good news is we can work at acceptance, and that's, that's what the toolboxes are for. And then there are other things maybe I could be changing. Physically, I have control, but I'm not doing it. I'm stuck, and I need tools to get unstuck. And it turns out these seven toolboxes can be used to get unstuck either in the process of acceptance or unstuck in the process of of using the control I do have, the process of changing something. And then Sparrow just gives you a list that you can refer to every day um, and the... The first one is simply sharing, and of course, a lot of people have major barriers to that. It's one of the geniuses of Alcoholics Anonymous that they got men in the 1930s sharing. Wow, what a concept, and there are a lot of men who haven't come a whole lot further since, but they're sharing. Um, Very simple, powerful tool for increasing acceptance, especially if you're sharing with somebody that cares about you and is trying to understand. The P is for all the forms of prayer and meditation, and you can customize it to your personal spiritual beliefs and practices. Um, The A is for action, and a lot of people forget that one way to increase your acceptance of something is to identify how you would be acting if you did accept it, and then act that way. And because reality is reality, and your behavior is going to be more wise, efficient, and comfortable when you do that, your acceptance will go up. Um, you can also do actions that prepare you to use the control you do have. That's things like role play. Um, and, of course, prayer and meditation, you can pray for acceptance and pray for courage, so that's, that's covered. But going down the list, we've got, let's see, S for sharing, P for prayer and meditation, A for action. Then the next R is, I think I called it uh, reading, but it really should be research, and it's getting, getting information about the problem and possible solutions, as well as perhaps reading um, or looking for sources of uh, inspiration. It's really information and inspiration, because you can learn things now by going online and find out how other people have dealt with any given problem. You can also go online or go in your Bible or your Daily Word or your AA Big Book or whatever, and you can... um, get inspiration for dealing with whatever you're dealing with. And again, whether you're trying to accept it or trying to change it. The second R is for rethinking. Okay, and hold on to that one. It's time for our break, and we'll oh, be back. Okay. We're in second the middle R. of Sparrow. Second R. And 
And my uh, guest is George DeWars. We're talking about linking to life, uh, preventing relapse, and living in long-term recovery from whatever we might be focused on that's causing us to link to addiction. So uh, stay with us. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. Are you saying to yourself, I'm going to focus on me starting Monday, or right after the holidays, or on my next birthday? Well, we are here to say, don't wait another moment. Your health is the most important gift you have for yourself and those you love. Start now to become a more vibrant, healthy human being. Take that critical first step and join us every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central on Awaken to Your Best Health. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is linking to life. My guest is George DeWars. He uh, is a master's in social work and is an addictions counselor. And uh, he has written two books. One is called White Knuckles and Wishful Thinking, Learning from the Moment of Relapse and Alcoholism and Other Addictions. And the other is a workbook that goes along with that called Getting It, Building Motivation from, Le- Rel- from Relapse. And again, these are both wonderful practical books that synthesize a lot of great information and uh, talk about in very practical ways um, how to link to life rather than linking to addiction. So, uh, George, before the break, you were talking about you have a method called the Sparrow Method, and each letter stands for a practice. So we were ready for the second R, which you were talking about research and getting information. Right. The second uh, R is rethinking and rethinking is a huge part of what psychotherapy has traditionally done. Um, but the 12 steps, for instance, um, when in the fourth step, when that question comes up, of what was my part in it? That's a tremendous, tremendous rethinking question. And a lot of our suffering, as the cognitive therapist will tell you, a lot of our suffering comes from thinking errors of one kind or another. A lot of them are automatic thoughts, I think, most of those have origins in trauma, but um, that's you know that if if you can get a hold of those and see them for what they are and and start having an ability to separate yourself enough from them to replace them with the truth, you can you can reduce your own suffering considerably. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I, I think I think um, the affirmations are are basically replacing trying to replace those uh, you know the thoughts that cause the suffering. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, um, so the O? The O is one day at a time, and I confess I probably put that in there because I needed a vowel. <laughs> 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 I, I, I appreciate um, I mean, your honesty, I do. Uh-huh. One day at a time is an incredibly powerful tool, and, and a lot of people don't appreciate that it really is a form of self-talk, that it, it, it's necessary when my mind has traveled out into the future and is creating a future out there, um, and uh, I need to just catch myself doing that and talk myself back into the present by saying things, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, what can I do about that today? You know, have I done what I can do about that today? If I have, I need to, what else should I be doing today? What does today need me to do? Not what does, you know, next week or next year want me to do? Um, 
And so much anxiety is, is generated by, you know, the mind's illusion that it can time travel. And, and it, all it does is go out there in the imaginary future and create an imaginary world with real stress. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> way to put it. Real. Uh, and let's yeah. see, we did one day at a time. Um, and so that, that's also a kind of rethinking, to be honest. But the last one is writing. Uh, w is for writing. So we have S-P-A-R-R-O-W. W is for writing. And again, writing can be journaling, whether you share it or save it and read it later or just get it out. It can be all the different structured forms, like I have a Sparrow Coping Worksheet and um, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is full of forms for you, you can fill out. And one, one of the things I've noticed about that is that um, it can be very powerful. Even writing down a list in your fourth step for any of the 12-step programs can be incredibly powerful. And, um, you know, it's not part of traditional, uh, you know, the, the Buddhist mindfulness practices. But I realize, you know, that those practices were developed long before literacy, long before the printing press, you know, long before we had this thing called writing where every human being just about, or certainly in our culture, is capable of jotting down what's been going on with them and stepping back and looking at it and, and seeing, seeing clearly, seeing more clearly. It's, it's really a skill for mindfulness that just wasn't part of the uh, wonderful things that came out of Buddhism a couple thousand years ago or Hinduism 5,000 years ago. I mean, it's just, um, it's just writing, writing is a relatively modern tool. Mm-hmm. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So these are great ways that help um, help people to link to life, to link to wholeness, right. to link to recovery. And right. you were talking about those two attitudes that are the thoughts that people generally have, one of them anyway, before they relapse. How is it that those are not linked to life? Well, um, very simply, if we start with the wishful thinking, let me just take one example. If I'm an alcoholic uh, or an addict, it doesn't, you know, whichever addiction, a food, a food addict, a, a gambler, and I'm telling myself I'm just going to do one, I'm just going to do it once, um, the, the most obvious way in which I'm not linked to life is I'm rejecting reality. The truth is I have an addiction. The truth is all this experience um, in the past where I've caused suffering for myself and other people with this addiction, um, and the, the loss of that experience, my own experience, means I'm disconnecting from my own life. So this, you know, this kind of relapse is very much, very powerfully um, a, a process or the end of a process of, of forgetting my own experience. At the same time, a lot of people who are saying, oh, I'll just have one of this or that, um, at some level in their body and in their psyche, there's a craving for far more. They are not linked to it. They, they're not, the link is awareness. They don't have the awareness. If I have the awareness, I don't want just one. I want 50. Help! You know, somebody help me. It's going to get me. But if I don't know that, if I'm disconnected from my own inner um, physiological craving, and then there's the emotional pain. I mean, I want one unit of something that's a painkiller, even if it's placing a bet or, or even some of the people that, that do the cutting. You know, they do that when they're under pain. And we, we just want to do it once, whatever it is, in order to get relief from pain, only we're not connected consciously to the pain. We're not saying to ourselves, yeah, I think I just want a, one painkiller for this pain that's driving me so crazy that once I take one, I'm going to want 30. Um, so it's, it's, and the, the last piece is the inability to see the consequences. So we're disconnected from our past experience, looking backwards. We're disconnected from the future, which is our consequences. We're disconnected internally from our craving and our suffering. And I, I maintain that a person who is saying uh, one won't hurt and about to pick up the first drink or drug is, is in a dissociative state. Their feet are planted firmly in midair. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the that's the way in which that one is is not linked. Um, the other the other relapse can have all those elements going on, but because the other the other relapse, the cursing relapse, usually the person saying an expletive expletive. Sorry, my Canadian uh, background showing up. Um, they are upset about something, and essentially what they're saying is, I I will not accept 
whatever it is I'm upset about. I won't. Which means they're they're not just disconnected and it's not they're just not it's not that they're just not linked to reality. They're emotionally rejecting it. Um, and and something that that also brings these two kinds of thinking together in an odd way is something that I really picked up from the editor who helped me with my workbook. It's the best editing experience I've ever had. And um, what she pointed out is the person who is cursing and picking up the first drink or drug is rejecting the control they do have. They, you know, anybody who's upset about something has an infinite number of tools they can use to deal with that upset. And when they reach for that one tool, the the fix, they're rejecting all those tools that they have the control to use, potentially, right? Mm -hmm. While the person who's saying, oh, I'll just have one, is claiming control they don't have. Right. And, And... I'm thinking of writing an article, by the way, called um, How the Serenity Prayer Cures Alcoholism. Because basically, you know, if you accept the things you cannot change, you don't fall for wishful thinking. If you have the courage to change the things you can, you pick up the tools and you don't curse and pick up a drink. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But of course, it does require the wisdom to know the difference. Right. That's the the hooker, right? I heard uh, once a a speaker in recovery... uh, make this suggestion, he said a friend of his in recovery had said that they thought one reason that uh, people with the disease of addiction relapsed was because they didn't change the things that they could change, that they accepted the wrong things. And it sounds like this is so similar to what you're saying. What I tell people is, you know, if you, if you keep banging your head against a stone wall trying to keep... Uh, change things that you cannot, that you have no control over, you're going to be more and more and more frustrated. If you try to accept things you could be changing and maybe even should be changing, it will gnaw at you. Somewhere inside you do know you've copped out. Somewhere inside there's something that, that knows we could have done more, could have done better, could have done something positive, could have, you know, given something. And we did and that, really, it's more about accepting something. We, we sorry, changing something we, we could have is what you said. That we right. accepted mm-hmm. something that would have changed. When we do that, yes, it gnaws at us. And that mm-hmm. gnawing will sooner or later um, lead to craving and, and maybe that little voice creeping into our head saying, oh, I wasn't that bad, you know, or I, I got trouble with spirits, but, you know, a little bit of 3.2 beer, what can that hurt? Or, mm-hmm. you know, I never got in trouble smoking marijuana. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing just can be so easy to fall into. And a lot of times it is, it's happening to somebody who has not dealt with what they could have dealt with. Right. And, and like you just, actually, you just said in a, a moment ago, it's, it's, it's back to the, the wisdom to know the difference, which is about, yes. I, I think it's about surrender. It's about, somehow making that conscious contact because without the conscious contact with a power greater than ourselves within us and around us, we're kind of doomed to our own thinking circles going around in the gerbil wheel. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I think Eckhart Tolle got it right when he said the inability to stop thinking is a dreadful affliction. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And surrender, something else that I I sometimes muse or meditate on is the exact line, if there is one, between um, a surrender and a realization. Because Mm -hmm. if I realize something, if I really get it, that, for instance, I'm somebody that can't control alcohol. I mean, there are people, maybe my brother can, my, my friend can. It just doesn't work for me. I am not somebody who can have one drink. You know, if I realize that, especially in the context where I've been fighting it for, let's say, 15 or 20 years, then isn't that also surrender? And if I surrender to the fact that I'm powerless over alcohol, isn't that inseparable from I'm realizing that I'm powerless? You know, have you ever thought about that? What is the... You know, what's the difference between surrender? Is, is surrender a special kind of realization or vice versa? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I guess for myself, I think of realization maybe as the first 
awareness and the surrender is like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take this awareness and let go into something beyond my, Uh, just my thinking. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, Well, George, our time is almost up, but leave us with a final word of wisdom. And I really appreciate uh, the work that you're doing. And I appreciate your, your clear thought that isn't informed by wisdom, but what final word of wisdom could you leave us with today? You know, you're, you're asking me that uh, cold. I'm going to throw out the first thing that came to my head, which is uh, a kind of a left-handed version of the serenity prayer. And that is, there is no situation so bad that I can't make it worse by the way I react to it. That's good. All right. And uh, no situation so bad that we can't make it better if we let go, huh? Let go and let God trust. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, flip, the positive side. Yeah. 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 I want to thank you, George, for being my guest today. Um, we've been talking thank about you. linking to life. You're welcome. And uh, my guest is George DeWars, who uh, you can look more about his work on motivationformaintenance.com. And uh, thank you, George, for the work that you're doing uh, with the recovery community and for your contributions. Uh, I I really appreciate it. You're making a big difference. Thanks for being my guest. You're you're welcome. Thank you. All right. And blessings to all of you. We'll be uh, back next week. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard, isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show, and I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists and students from Unity Institute and Seminary. Topics like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care, religion and politics, current events. Yeah, but they'll all be Unity people, right? Dr. Tom and his students will talk about the hard questions facing all people today, sometimes joined by rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? Better. He's going to introduce a controversial topic and let students and special guests go for it. This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs) If I know Dr. Tom, he will keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa, I gotta hear this. When and where? The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So let's talk about it. Definitely, let's. Things may happen around you, things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. This meditative moment from Rev. Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm. 